Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take podcast. We are back again to talk about uh, the week that has been in hockey, at least the past couple of days. And hey, surprise, surprise, there's no shortage of things to talk about. So we're going to be able to get right down to business in today's show. I am joined once more by Mr. Sin for the win and returning to the show Endo Mills is also back from his brief leave of absence for hockey-related purposes. Yeah, I found myself. I was like, oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to say the the game that I played uh, to the, the miss the podcast was a thousand percent not worth it. And I've, <laughs> I've written off days where I have the podcast for hockey because uh, that's usually what I do for, for rental. But, uh, yeah, I'm here full time now. I promise. Yeah, if you're in the Toronto area and you need a rent a goalie, uh, Endo Mills is your man. Yeah, at Endo Just Mills. make it worth his time. Yeah, if it if it's if it's <laughs> like not like a decent level skate, then I'm not showing up. There you go. So <laughs> again, we're gonna be able to get right down to business today because there is a lot to talk about. I hate to have to do it, but again, viewer questions kind of off to the side because it's another one of those heavy talking point days. And also, I have a feeling most of the viewer questions would be related to what we're going to talk about today. Anyway, because there are some elephants in the room in terms of very notable moments. Uh, That said, before we get down to business, of course, as always, this show is still brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, manscaped.com. Use code to get checkout for 20% off your order, free worldwide shipping. For all of your grooming needs, Manscaped is very much the place, whether it be the hair on your head, the hair in your nose and or ears, the hair down there. Manscaped.com, the place for you, and we thank them uh, for sticking with us. That said, gentlemen, we have uh, two big talking points before we get into negative story time, or at least kind of negative story time. Uh, I I will have this be a choose your own adventure, and we'll leave it to Endo since he uh, since he missed the last show. Do we want to talk about the broken state of NHL 22, or do we talk about the trade that finally happened? Uh, let's let's just rip the bandaid off. This is kind of still alive. Uh, the other one is still pretty live too. But NHL 22, just just go for it. I'm sitting here with two guys who are game changers and one guy who wants to be actually a game no. Changer. I'm a playmaker now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> no, they, they, well, I was, I was initially started as a game chairman, but when they switched community managers, they basically had that lower tier. Oh. Yeah, we kind of for months, we didn't even know what the hell we, we were. And, um, I'm, I'm going to just crisis. go out and say it. I have zero to any, uh, channel towards EA for the most part. <laughs> it's just, it's kind of, we, none, none of us really, uh, no, no, what's going on? But uh, no, say say it with your yeah. chest. There you go. Keep keep it coming out. Say it with my chest. Okay, I don't get responses to uh, feedback <laughs> or <you> problems <laughs> that happen. There you go. Well, actually, I, I finally got one after three years or two years. I whatever. Got, hey, there you go. only three years. Not bad. So, just to catch everybody up on this, for those who, I mean, I would imagine the vast majority of the listenership is, of course, very much familiar with obviously the YouTube and. Uh, you know, Twitch side of things and the video game side of things as opposed to just the sports-related side of things. But uh, the bottom line is NHL 22 has had a, a rough time since it launched last month. I think that's that's a safe way to put it. And it's been interesting for me 
because truly, and I've said this on every platform that I'm on, I thought NHL 22 had a lot of potential. I really did. I don't know the last time I kind of bought into the hype of what I had seen, uh, kind of the roadmap that had been laid out, the direction things were going. I'm like, you know, this really does have a chance to, to be something good. And unfortunately, pretty much ever since launch, it just seems like more and more questionable things happen, whether, whether it had been the decisions made after the, uh, the beta that was out there in terms of certain changes with the gameplay in relation to that, which seems to be a story every single year. Uh, whether it be in regards to some of the bugs that are out there, I know Sin can speak to that as someone who has had franchise and be a pro save files disappear. Uh, I am still getting people messaging me, telling me that their custom roster files are disappearing. And then you had, just two days ago, a lot of uproar in regards to the Ultimate Team side of things from that portion of the community talking about uh, really a, a general state of uh, disappointment. Again, a, a max reward bonus in Hut Rush being 750 coins, uh, which again, a base pack in the game is 5k, so 15% of a pack, you're almost there. <laughs> Uh, for getting the max reward there. And then a new patch came out today that, again, I'm like, hey, you know, if this is implemented nicely, it could work out well. And, um, God. Yeah. Uh, people are loading into the game and getting the loading screen stuck on the screen with the game being played in the background. People are scoring goals and being soft-locked into watching the celebration for as much for up to at least an hour is one of the longest ones I've seen so far. Shout out to friend of the show, Architect, who posted that on Twitter. <laughs> Guys. I feel like I, only Architect is salty enough to stay in a game for yeah, one hour to fucking get that. And I love him for that. That's one of my favorite things about Architect is just oh, the yeah. level oh. of sodium that that man can live in and still oh, function God. as a human. It's amazing. I mean, he lives oh, in Buffalo, so I think it's just, it's just really yeah. audio. It's been a real yeah, interesting real. day for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm just going to go out and say it. Every single update or patch that has uh, come out so far for NHL 22 has progressively made the game worse, now to the point where it's almost unplayable. Not just, oh, my God, gameplay sucks, it's unplayable. No, this is literally unplayable. Like, you cannot play it. Yeah. It's broken. Um. But that being said, when it first came out, when we got our early release copies, before even the launch day patch, I loved it. Man, Be a Pro felt great. I was so excited. I'm like, the gameplay feels good. Okay, it's, it's the exact same experience, whatever. But the gameplay feels good. The AI is kind of making good decisions. And the oh, release day launch, it kind of gets worse. They introduce like another patch. And now at this point, it's like, I can't do it. Like they've they completely dumbed the AI down to a point where... It's it's horrible to watch. Any any person who understands hockey will look at that and just be like, it's unacceptable. The def defense will just back up almost into the goalie, let the opposing player walk in and take a shot, or they'll stand there on the two circles and watch someone from the point skate all the way in to go one on one with the goaltender. They just stand there. It's I don't get how that keeps happening. I don't know if they keep tuning it for like hockey ultimate team because everyone's concerned about the skill zoners and stuff like that. But again. Simple, simple fix. Separate tuner sets, separate AI for you know online mode or and and single player. I I, I don't know. I it's just 
And that that's just be a pro. <laughs> I, and, and I'm bitching about that because I am one of the biggest advocates for be a pro. I've been playing it forever since it was first a thing. And I want it to be part of my channel. But every, I mean, I think back in NHL 16, it was the only thing on my channel. And it was big on my channel up until pretty much a couple years ago where it just got stale. Last year it was okay. But again, you have all the issues with the gameplay and then it just being super repetitive. They went the story mode route and they decide, okay, we're just going to have the same exact story mode. But hey, we added a couple more cutscenes that directly coincide with X factors, which you be honest. Yeah, you had to add that in just to, I don't know. Ah, so that's that. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of other issues. I, I'm scared to check my world of Chell builds. I hear they're all getting deleted. I spent a lot of time. I finally got my two-way defenseman to a, to a great uh, area. So excited yeah, to rebuild yeah. that. So builds have been disappearing. I should also mention other glitches. Um, I guess they finally added in a feature where it will boot someone if they just sit there. But I think it's glitching out because I saw a couple people mention that um, they have been getting uh, like disconnected from the game, or like the the opponent will disconnect, but you'll get charged with the loss <laughs> in ultimate. Team. It's like, <laughs> like they make so many steps to go forward, and they just shoot themselves in the foot, and it, it's getting to a point. Like I got a penalty. I think it was last. It was on Monday. I was playing with Timo in the morning. Good friend of the Deserved. show. And thank you. And <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened uh, was. I I I hit someone, and then I did like you know the tea bag, and then I got a penalty for tripping. Tripping, yep, yep. yep. I had that happen to me and be a pro. And then yeah. th then I I was like, what do you mean that's not tripping? You're tripping. I'm not tripping. And it's because the yeah, yeah, it's because like your stick animation goes through them and it's oh, no, somehow. No. I wasn't even looking at them. I wasn't looking at them. Time will tell me that the dev said that it's oh. uh, apparently um an anti like tea bag feature, whatever the fuck it is. I whatever highly you call doubt it. that they put that in there. That's what I told highly you. Highly doubt. That's what I told from Timo. So go, go, there's go, zero fun. Baker and Timo on Twitter. <laughs> that ang that, that angers yeah. me actually because yeah, I know for a fucking me. fact they would not put that in there because if you're teabagging on someone you're taking yourself out of the play there's no way that they'd put that in there and it's already slower anyway it's a different animation you can't really teabag like you used to be able to I, I can show you that. the clip post podcast and, and let you know like how it is because it's legitimately after the hit like two seconds pass he's not even anywhere near me and I tripped and I go I do the trip animate I do the um the teabag thing because it just goes stick down you dick stick him and then the game's like, oh, yeah, you're going in the box for two minutes for tripping. I'm like, no, y'all tripping. I ain't tripping. Come on. This is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. In that it just goes to show that you have people who play this game every single day. And there is still that level of confusion and uncertainty in regards to so many different aspects of the game. We could be here for the entire show talking about our frustrations yeah. uh, with the game, and it it's very, very unfortunate that we're at the point where people are like, oh, I don't even know if I'm going to play the game tonight because we might just score a goal and have the game lock up. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll we'll leave it at that in terms of some of the the more general discussion around the state of NHL 22. I get asked on a nightly basis, "Hey, should I pick this game up?" And it's it's been a very similar trajectory to Madden, where hey, yeah, this isn't so bad. 
eh, maybe you could wait. Uh, definitely wait. You know. Um, I still haven't gotten Madden yet. Don't. I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to wait for Christmas, but then I'm like, I haven't seen anyone playing it. I haven't been able to tune in any streams of people playing it. I'm like, all I right, would, well. I would rather okay. get a coal so, in my fucking stocking and actually have a better use for it than a copy of Madden. And at this point, so I will say, like, I did enjoy Madden for what it was, but it's such a low bar. Yeah. Similar to NHL 22, yeah. where it's like 21, in my opinion, was so bad that it was such a low bar for it to be better. And even now, those two games, 22, continue to trip over their predecessors because they just drop the ball post launch. I mean, it, it's. Madden, I don't expect any better when the game crashes on me over two dozen times, which is what happened. Yeah. In the first couple days after launch. NHL 22, it's not so much I expect it to be bad, but I'm disappointed because I felt like it could be good. Yeah. And it's it's really not. Let down. And it's, it's been really interesting to look at the response. That said, if you enjoy NHL 22 and uh, aren't suffering from a, a ton of the bugs and shit like that that's going on, hey, by all means, enjoy the game. If you enjoy Madden, by all means, enjoy the game. I will never tell anybody to not enjoy it. I am envious that you enjoy it as much. As you do, and um, fingers crossed that, uh, well, boys, next month, roster sharing is supposed to be added into NHL 22, and I don't I know if I take that bet as to whether or not that's going to go smoothly, and that's a very scary thing. I yeah, I, have a f- I was just, just going to say, I had a feeling, like, with all this other crap happening, that date's going to get pushed back and pushed oh, yeah. back now. Like, uh, I'm just worried about that. Or if it is implemented, it's because, hey, we made this promise and it's going to break. Almost the last, I remember uh, NHL 21 had the last update, like January 12th was the last big content update or whatever to get patches and everything. You think January 12th, 2022 is going to be the day when that drops instead? Because it feels that like was the last major update. That's that was the last major update. That was the last patch. That was the last anything for NHL 21. And then I guess everyone went all hands on deck for 22. And if, yeah, if that's really all shows. hands on deck, it uh, you need more <laughs> hands. You need to go to. You need to. Oh boy. Oh man. I think what Sin just mentioned though is what scares me the most about that. Is okay. Hey, it, it was on schedule to be added, but then we had to keep going back. And fixing other things that we didn't expect to be issues. So what's going to happen? Yeah, it's a scary, scary thing. Yep. Um, that said, we'll we'll move on because, like I said, we we probably could be here for an hour and a half just talking about NHL 22. It finally happened, gentlemen. The Jack Eichel trade. It's finally done. Uh, again, right around the time where I'm like, I'm done talking about this because what the hell is it ever going to happen? Who the hell knows? It does happen. And ultimately, he goes to the spot that I said he was going to go to, and a lot of people said he was going to go to six-some-odd months ago. Jack Eichel. Uh, I could see the look on Sin's face already, for those of you watching on the YouTube side of things. Jack Eichel has been acquired by the Vegas Golden Knights. The deal is this. Vegas acquires Eichel and a 2023 conditional third-round pick. That is contingent, as are a lot of the picks in this deal, contingent upon whether or not Vegas' first rounder this year is a top 10 pick. So if Vegas has a top 10 draft pick in this upcoming draft, the 2022 draft, Buffalo will get a third rounder in 2024 instead of in 2023. So again, 
uh, or excuse me, that would be Vegas, of course. It's it's one of those things where you add in conditional picks, and you're like, oh my god. Bottom line is Eichel and a third to Vegas. The Buffalo Sabres acquire forward Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a first-round pick that is conditional. It'll be 2022 or 2023, and a conditional second that they are guaranteed to get no matter what. The Sabres also completed a different deal, uh, acquiring Johnny Boychuk, who has been on LTIR for almost two years now, for future considerations from the New York Islanders. That will boost them up well above the cap floor and means they can make further moves throughout this season and up to the trade deadline. So, gentlemen, let's go team by team here and what this means. And I want to start off in talking about what this means for the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, in the short term, doesn't mean much. Eichel will be getting the surgery that he's wanted all along. He'll be out for a projected minimum of four months, which means likely the only time we'll see Eichel this year is probably in the playoffs. And you know, if he's ready to go in late March, you probably just hold him out until the playoffs anyway, treat him like a Kucherov situation, and all of a sudden you don't have to worry about the salary cap until next season. So I would not expect to see Jack Eichel in a regular season game this year for Vegas because it would result in them having to maneuver things around cap-wise. Gentlemen, your thoughts, Jack Eichel, and specifically what this means for the Vegas Golden Knights. Sim, we'll start off with you as a fan of a rival team. Yeah, I mean, what this means for them, they get, finally, an Elite 1C, uh, which they have just never, ever had. Chandler Stevenson is playing solid for them, but probably well above his pay grade. So, um, it's it's good for them, but also what it means, they have zero depth. At this point, I am honestly, if I'm a Vegas fan, I'm, I'm a little worried about this trade simply because once again, your team is continuing to give up a lot of, you know, assets, younger assets, um, pick assets. They don't have a ton of that. They they really haven't drafted that heavily. So many of their prospects and picks they've now traded. Now it's good to get some of that talent. Now, again, Eichel's what, 25? He'll be around for plenty of time. That being said. You know, is it going to solve your problems? Is he going to really put up, you know, is he going to make that much of a difference by putting up the kind of numbers that he can on this team that's now going to miss, you know, Alex Tuck, who's been a very, very solid middle six winger. Some argue that he could be a full-time top six. Peyton Krebs, who is probably their best prospect at this point, a guy who everyone said fell lower in the draft than he should have. Um. Again, I see him as, you know, maybe a future 2C. But still, these are all all very good things. And again, they're still going to have to get rid of more. Riley Smith is gone 100% now. Who else is going to be out the door? What? It's kind Dad of enough, interesting. Sure. Like, uh, oh, yeah, pro- yeah, probably Dadnoff, too. What, what kind of deal was he on? Was it just one year? Uh, he signed through next year. I think he has a limited no move or okay. uh, a no trade. But, yeah. I mean, they'll find a new spot exactly. for $5 million worth of Evgeny Dadnoff at the end of the wow. year. I will say, though, like in theory, you know, a lot of people questioned the center depth last year, especially when they ran into Montreal. But in theory now in the playoffs and moving forward, their center depth, if healthy, is Eichel, Stevenson, Carlson, or, you know, Carlson, Stevenson. Yeah. And that is pretty good depth down the middle. But like you said, then you maybe start to question the depth down the wing. Um, but they are also right now a heavily, heavily injured team. On IR for them right now, 
Eichel, Stone, Patch already, Nolan Patrick, and then White Cloud and Jake Bischoff on defense. Um, yeah. I, I don't disagree, though, with, with your take on their depth. I will say, even with all that, if you have good depth, you should be over a 500 team. And not to toot my horn. I, I, I hate to say it, but I'm trying to trying to think of any other team with... Well, I, I was just going to bring up Colorado, but I'm like, well, they, they're kind of in the same problem. They spent up to the cap, and they had no depth, and they lost games because of it. Um, other teams that have been able to draft heavily and stuff like that, at least in the last couple of years, have been able to have the organizational depth to win games. Again, small sample size. Sharks won two games against uh, Winnipeg, and then... Jesus Christ, who they just play? <laughs> Uh, brain fart. Anyway, but they won two games using... You know who they just played, Sin? They played the Buffalo Sabres. Thank you. Yes, they played yeah, play four <laughs> defensemen who were, you know, not not normally on the roster and like four forwards at the same, like eight players total or something. Something crazy like that. Still won games. Now, that's not to say they have the best depth in the world, but they have that sort of depth. With Vegas, I don't see it. Again, they're only they're still fresh in the league. They haven't been able to have these guys who were drafted, you know, for for very long. And and yeah, we mentioned them trading pretty much all their first rounders by this point. I don't think they have a single first rounder that they've drafted on their in their organization now. Uh, so here we can uh, we can actually take a uh, a look at their uh, their draft pick history and see who is still around because it's always. Uh, a little bit fun. So, 2017, first round, Cody Glass, gone. Mm-hmm. Nick Suzuki, gone. Eric Brandstrom, gone. Uh, second round, they did pick up Nick Haig and Jake Lesition, who are both still around. 2018 draft, uh, didn't have a first round pick in the second round. They took a uh, Russian forward by the name of Ivan Morozov. We'll see. 2019, first round, Peyton Krebs, gone. Second round was Caden Korjak, who uh, we don't know yet. <laughs> Wait it out, Caden. Your time will come. Yeah. 2020 first round pick, Brendan Brisson, is still there. And in the first round this year, they took Zach Dean. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, those first, those first three drafts, all four players they took in the first round are off the team. <laughs> Which is kind of a lot. Now, Cody Glass isn't really panning out, but I still think letting Suzuki go was one of the biggest mistakes that they are ever going to make. Um, Patrick's fine, but he's what, 30, 31, at least, maybe even 32 by this point? Uh, Max Patrick is 32 years old. Yeah. Mm. I'm sorry. He's good now. I. I Next year, year after, he's going to start that decline. Well, funny thing is, he's only signed through next year. How are they going to get him back? And then, and yeah, I mean, he's making $7 million now. Ooh. What does a Max Pacioretty extension look like, and what is the term on that? Because anything above three years is going to be potentially risky if he's making over $5 million. Here's where that no state tax advantage comes in. I guess so, yeah. Endo, your uh, your take on Eichel and Vegas. They should just rename the Golden Knights to the High Rollers because they, they're just gambling on everything. Uh, I, I We don't know how Eichel's going to be after the surgery. Um, I don't think anybody really does know. Ever, ever, after you're injured, you're never really the same person. It's either you're better or you're worse. In the case of Connor McDavid, when he hurt his, I think, when he, his, his, was it ACL or EC, uh, Collarbone. Or no, 
the, well, no, he hurt. Knee. So he hurt. Well, he injured his collarbone when he accidentally punched the glass in a fight in the OHL. Yeah. But it was, uh, I do believe you're right, a knee injury that he didn't get surgery on. Oh. Yeah. And just elected to rehab, which proved to be maybe the best decision he's ever made in his life. Yeah. And now he's even faster of a skater and he's still getting faster, which is scary. Uh, but in, mm. the, in the case of Eichel, with the surgery that he he's probably gonna be getting, I'm surprised he's like he's probably like in the hospital right now, sitting on the on the doctor's bed, like all right, let's go. I, I got the clearance, let's get it done. But you you never know. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a surgery that's never been done before to an NHL player, but it's helped in other sports and helped rejuvenate some careers from what I've seen. And I I hope the best for him. I hope it all works out. But that is a that is a powerhouse in Vegas. Considering their cap hit, that is ridiculous. Because right now their projected cap hit is like ninety-one million when you when you count just just face value without taking in um the LTIR. Uh, right now they mm. have they have sixteen million cap space right now. But we all know when those guys get ready and they come ready to come back, it's gonna be like zero. They're gonna have a Toronto situation, and yeah, I don't wish it on anybody. Yeah, ten with Eichel, seven patch ready. What like isn't Stone till like eight or nine? 9.5 uh, for, Nar- for Mark Stone. Jesus. So Stone, 9. nine For Mark Stone, 9.5. And then Patrick's got to be making at least 3, right? He was 1.2. Oh, really? That's low for Patrick? Yeah. Low for Patrick? Are you signed the bridge? Uh, it's just bridge. I, I guess I figured he might have signed at least like a 3 or 4 with Philly, but I guess not. Yeah. yeah. The injury problems there for the Flyers. Yeah. So. Didn't play a that's full an, season. Yeah, that's another thing. Three they years. kind of gambled on Patrick, too, and he gets re-injured. That's, that's, that was a sad story, man. High rollers, I'm telling you. That's what I'm going to call them from now on. Because this is this is like, and then you mentioned Sim with the depth issue when they don't really have a lot of guys there. Their farm system is also kind of barren. Uh, I'm going to be really honest with that. Uh, but it just seems like they're like a win now team. They have that. They, no, they, it's not barren. It's Brendan. He's their only guy, Brendan Brisson. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm great. sorry, I had to. No, no, that's fine. That's perfect. I was gonna make the same joke because that's my middle name. Um, <laughs> it's just I don't know where to go. This doesn't look like an NHL franchise. This looks like someone who's literally betting pro line and going like, "Oh, I'll grab this guy on my team," and it looks perfectly fine. I mean, granted, they did well. They have made the playoffs every single year that they've been there, but they have had the advantage of having a certain expansion draft that was heavily favored to give them a, a boost of a team like no one expected them to make the playoffs or get to the finals that year when they when they had the expansion draft and the fact that so yeah hmm? that sorry to cut you oh, off boy. but i think that's where like that was obviously the turning point yeah. right because this was a team where it's like oh hey we might not be complete trash and then not only were they not complete trash they made a stanley cup final in their first year yeah. and that was where the decision was made to go for it. And they're so far along that path that they essentially have no choice but to just go for it, yep. which is why you see them pick up Pacioretty, which is why they bring in Mark Stone and re-sign him. How absurd is that? Petran- it's still crazy to think, like, yeah, yeah, Pacioretty, Mark Stone. They bring in Alex Petrangelo and move on from guys maybe a little bit earlier than people would have thought, and maybe someone like Nate Schmidt feels a bit betrayed. And then you bring in Jack Eichel, like, or I, I at least commend them. Flurry, yeah. Poor guy. There is no I at least that's, that's it. Completely. It's just you're... Yeah. It, it's a it's a Vegas mentality. I say I said this on Twins... On, on Twins. 
twin seat. Uh, Sin's tweet earlier, it, this, the team represents the city. It is all, it's like, a, it's, it's Sin City. Fly like, by no night. One, yeah, they don't care. Like, they, they want it, they want the big high roller, big money coming in, and they'll get it anywhere that they can. Uh, props to you, but that's not going to last you long when getting people to come here for a long time. You're going to, I always said originally this would be like a tourist city. This might be a city where players come to play, get paid the big bucks, and then leave. Or get shipped off somewhere else. It might be just a tourist city for players and for fans. I do commend them, though, for saying, look, this is this is it. Like, again, we've made all these deals. We have to commit to this. We have to go for it. You know, whether or not they'd still... You know, I, I'm intrigued to know what the situation would look like right now in Vegas if they didn't say, okay, we're doubling down and going for it, we're a contender, and if they had still stuck with the slow and steady approach after making it to the cup final, what would that team look like? And, you know, at the end of the day, we talk about, oh, well, they gave up Cody Glass, but as Sin mentioned, he hasn't really stuck so far. Eric Brandstrom is still in the minors in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Would he be in NHL or with Vegas right now? We don't know. Uh, Nick Suzuki, would he look as decent as he looks now in Vegas as compared to Montreal? It is a completely different timeline uh, if they didn't go for this. But, like I said, I do commend them for the fact that they said, shit, we're going for it. We're all in on this idea. Of course, Vegas goes all in. We're all in on the idea of we're going to win us a goddamn yeah. cup as soon as we possibly can. I commend them, and I hope it blows up in your face. Um, <laughs> so far it has, yeah, so that, there's that. that. And that's just the speaking... way I have to be. But I will say, I got a funny-ass comment on YouTube um, about this, because I've talked about it a bit, obviously. Uh, <laughs> someone said, a bit of a conspiracy theory here, but you think Batman called Buffalo and to, told them to get a fucking move on it to, to take away the PR away from that awful uh, press conference they had the other day? <laughs> <laughs> and I I'm can like, see it with the with the, with what Buffalo received back, especially allowing Vegas to top ten protect that first rounder. Like that's almost plausible. I can't. I still can't believe Buffalo allowed them the top ten protect it. Like that's your biggest possible asset. Fucking look what just happened with the Sharks pick turning into Stutzler for Ottawa. How the hell do you let them top ten protect that? I am so pissed at Buffalo for letting them do that. That's just, in my opinion. Terrible, terrible mismanagement of that situation. I mean, it was from the start, but this especially, it's its horrible. So we will move on to talking about the Sabres. And my, it's, my segue was going to be speaking of things that could blow up in uh, someone's face. It is the idea of lottery protecting those picks in Vegas's favor. The Sabres, I mean, you pick up Alex Tuck, good player. He's coming off of a pretty big shoulder surgery. Uh, Peyton Krebs is already been assigned to the AHL, uh, which, hey, Rochester looks decent. Uh, J.J. Peterka, the Paterka, he's down there. Jack Quinn's down there as well, and he's doing very well in the AHL so far. So Love to see that's not together, a, yeah. a horrible situation. But, again, this idea of it's Eichel and a third going to Vegas for a roster player, a former first-round pick, another first and a second, is that enough no especially when and look the likelihood of vegas ending up with the top 10 pick is slim i think we all kind of expect they'll they'll make the playoffs although with the injuries maybe not but yeah it, it just kind of seems like that general consensus is that's the most you could get huh 
But then you also factor in the, the injury concerns, the uncertainty around there. I don't think it's a horrific deal for them. But, I don't know, there's still something about it where, you know, you're kind of hoping towards those first rounders. I mean, it's it's optimistic to say that we believe that Peyton Krebs will still step up and be a legitimate top six guy. Alex Tuck is a legitimate top six guy, and I do think he can fit in with the, the pieces they have there already now pretty well. But this is, an, this is another one of those trades where... You know, short term, as long as Eichel can get back to 100% health, you'd think it would work out for Vegas a lot better. Buffalo, we're going to have to revisit this 10 years down the road to see what comes of those draft picks. And there is a lot of pressure to hit uh, with those particular draft picks, Enda. Mike was off, sorry. Uh, It's it's a mess. (laughs) It's it. I, I called it the Vegas heist. Because this is this is a steal if it does pay off. If you do get point per game, healthy Jack Eichel, uh, but the return was definitely not worth it. Possibly. Whew. The only yeah. plus side I see for Buffalo is if Vegas absolutely hamstrings themselves and they get the top ten a top ten pick this year. That pick gets pushed back. All of a sudden, Smith is gone. Petrangelo question or sorry, well no sorry, Patcheretti. Big question mark there. If they do sign him, if does Petrangelo able to bounce back? Um, you know, like the, all those contracts get pushed forward another year. Everyone gets a little bit older, but I highly, highly doubt that they miss the playoffs in that next year. That's why I re- it, it would a lot would have to happen. It would have to be a Sharks worthy Evander Kane drama collapse uh, for that to happen the way it happens. You know, in several other situations, you know, the Duchesne thing, then the Carlson thing. You know, with the Sharks and I. I just don't get it. Like, it's that seems so, so low. So, presumably for the Sabres here, let's say that Vegas doesn't get a top 10 pick because that, that would be pretty far out of the realm of uh, expectation. Right now, they have three first rounders. Um, it is, uh, they actually have a similar deal uh, with the Florida Panthers. Uh, another conditional pick. The conditions on that from the, oh, the Sam Reinhardt deal. Re- Reinhardt, if the pick's yeah. in the top 10, they'd exchange it with Florida. So let's be honest. I mean, the Florida Panthers aren't ending up with a bottom 10 draft pick. So realistically, the Buffalo Sabres have three first-round picks this year. Their own, Florida's, and Vegas's, And that's so far. They also have their own second. Next year, they have their own first and three seconds as well, having their own Vegas's and Philadelphia's second. Yes, from the Rasmus Ristolainen trade. So, I mean, you're talking about a team that has eight picks in the first two rounds of the next two drafts already. And acquiring Johnny Boychuk allows them to potentially make other moves, uh, such as, uh, I mean, Victor Olofsson's an RFA. At 26 years old, they could get a pretty penny, in my opinion, for Victor Olofsson at the trade deadline. He's only making three million bucks. Like that is a very, very shiny, yeah, new toy option for a lot of these teams that are looking to make a strong push. I comfortably say that could fetch them a first round pick at the deadline. I truly believe that. Aside from that, you'd be talking about kind of nickel and diming. Uh, to get other pieces, I mean, Colin Miller, Will Butcher, their deals are up at the end of the year. Uh, I don't think they'd take on Johnny Boychuk unless they were planning on making other moves. 
in terms of guys that are under contract beyond this year, I mean, Gergensen's, Bjork, and Thompson all have an extra year, but how much value is is there really? Uh, I will not be surprised if the Johnny Boychuk trade results in Victor Olofsson being dealt uh, by the deadline, if not on deadline day, which means, again, Buffalo will have a decent amount of draft picks. And if you look at who they have in the system now, I mean... Like, Rasmus Asplund's on their top line right now, apparently. I mean, he's 23 years old. That's still promising. Dylan Cousins is 20. Obviously, on the defense, you're looking at Darlene. Uh, Jacob Bryson's played all nine games some this year. He's only 23. You know that you have Owen Power in the system. Uh, Casey Middlestat's still 22. What's what's his ceiling? Krebs, uh, JJP is there. Jack Quinn is there. Uh, Isaac Rosen. Like, they have... They have a talent pool. How good is that talent pool? I don't know. But if they can do, uh, and shout out to Ryan Johnson as well on the blue line, actually, now that I'm looking at it, if if they play their cards right, th- this can work out well. And I think at the very least, even if they didn't get as big of a return as they potentially could have gotten, the most important thing is the Jack Eichel era is over. That's the most important thing. It's just, okay, the, those ties are severed. We are on to a new era Again, uh, but that is what they so desperately needed. And finally, Sabres fans can be like, okay, it, it, yeah, I wish it didn't go down this way, but it's done, it's over with, and we move on to this new era. And if Buffalo plays their cards right, they can do pretty well. The consensus will be, though, are you going to get a player that is the caliber of Jack Eichel? And would you rather have Jack Eichel and what you can put around him or this idea of whatever this new core is going to be. And again, we we don't know. And we won't for a few years from now. Yeah. So, any other takes on Buffalo, boys? Or do we move on to a third team involved in this? I mean, my last take is it seems that Buffalo is now not building around a specific piece, but trying to just build a team around several, a lot of different pieces, which is sometimes a hell of a lot easier. Uh, to do is you saw Edmonton struggle for years and years and years to build around. Well, they had two, and that's even you know crazier. But I mean, yeah, with Eichel, it's just it simply wasn't working. And now at this point, it's almost like a fresh start for them. Horrible for Buffalo fans. They're rebuilding the rebuild of a rebuild. Essentially, it feels like. And but but yeah, I mean, again, we'll see. But I, I it's not the best return for Buffalo, but. They still have opportunity. I love the way they're looking so far this year. All those young guys, they, they look scary. I've never felt threatened when watching Buffalo play against the Sharks for the last few years. And I'm like, okay, this is a threatening team, and they don't have Jack Eichel. I'm excited to see what they do with all their assets. I, I've i kind of labeled them like the Ducks of the East <laughs> in that you know they're not like a very good playoff caliber team, but they have at least found an identity of playing hard yeah. and being a tough, yeah. a tough team to beat, So, uh, which isn't a bad spot to be in. And no, I will direct this next portion over to you here uh, because it's Canadian related. <laughs> the Calgary Flames. What does the Jack Eichel trade mean for the Calgary Flames, who were apparently the other team that it was down to the wire with? There were the absurd rumors that have been completely downplayed since that came out from Kevin Weeks. Poor guy's been taking a beating. Uh, the, a potential deal would have involved Matthew Kachuk, but... For Flames fans, I mean, there were people that were trying to will this into existence, and they fell short. I obviously, like, if you look at this deal, we don't know for sure if it would have 
worked out the same way. But it's not out of the realm of possibility to say that the Calgary Flames had the pieces to make this trade happen, not involving uh, Matthew Kachuk. But, I mean, again, you look at like, okay, do they have a counterbalance for Peyton Krebs? I'd say yes, uh, in the form of someone like, uh, I think it's Jakob Pelletier, who was out there. I I mean, granted, he wasn't a first-round pick, but I'm a big fan of that kid. He has shown that he has just gotten better and better since being drafted by the Flames. Like I f- basically, I could go down the list. I feel like the Flames had the pieces to get this done. Are you surprised that they didn't, despite the fact that they're a good team? And are you happy that they didn't? Because in a way, if I'm, if I'm a Leafs fan, I'm rooting for this to happen. Because I feel like it takes a tiny little bit of pressure away. The spotlight shifts ever so further away from Toronto and would then focus so heavily on the Battle of Alberta, McDavid versus Eichel, and a lot of more a lot more people would be focused on that. So your thoughts on uh, what this means for Calgary, not getting Jack Eichel? I think it's definitely a missed opportunity, uh, for one. Uh, another thing about that, too, is there are a lot of pieces over there that were like matchable, comparable, per se, but I just feel like it was just a their GM just not wanting to make the move. And I don't know why they just didn't make the move. Considering what Buffalo gave up to get Eichel and what they got in return, I think literally any that, that any of the hypothetical offers that were available out there that Calgary could have done, I think they could have done it. I just think they didn't want to give up Kachuk and they wanted to build around him, Manjapani, people over there in that franchise and keep it that way. I, I mean, you have a chance to get a, like I said before, like a generational talent in Eichel, but you don't know how he's going to be after the surgery. He could be, he could be better. He could be worse. He could be the same. I, I don't know if they were willing to take that risk. And if they were going to take that risk, it was going to pay off in the way they wanted it to be. Also, I don't think Batman wants another top talented player on a Canadian roster. Uh, so that's just a little bias there. And it would Maybe be good. Wants. Maybe TSN and Sportsnet could shut the fuck up about the, the lease every five seconds and then focus on another team. I'd really appreciate that. No offense. No no ill will to the guys that I know who go there at TSN and everything, but just I'm kind of sick and tired of scrolling through my feed and seeing constant things about what Mitch Marner had for his ice cream and what Austin Matthews ate. That's, that's Don't you me. love how Gary Bettman went from, uh, hey, maybe he's not that bad, to right back to public enemy number one oh, in yeah. the course of the last couple weeks? <laughs> like it's, what, did, uh, what did he do with that we thought it wasn't that bad? There were some, uh, <laughs> I don't even remember at this point. Like there were, He was winning over some favor, uh, you know, in regards to like how the NHL had handled the COVID situation and mm. stuff like that. Like there were people where it's like, okay, like, you know, he, he's done okay and Seattle's in the league. And then that was not even 15 minutes of, of positivity. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know if, if you have anything else to add in regards to the Calgary Flames. I don't think it's a, a complete L. They're a good team this year, as we'll talk about. But, yeah, I, I can understand why there's a lot of Flames fans that might be a little bit disappointed. Yeah, um, I would be slightly disappointed as a Flames fan. Because, again, I'm thinking of who you could play Jack Eichel with on that team, and it's incredible. Like, just the... When I'm, he's such a gr- 
he's such a solid play driver. And, you know, as that franchise center with Monaghan maybe <laughs> kind of falling off a cliff a little bit. Man, if you get – if you get – I'm sorry to cut you off as well, but, man, if you get Jack Eichel, Sean Monaghan as your one-two punch, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. That's really, yeah. really tough to be. Yeah, especially when – I mean, yeah, then, then Monaghan could just, hey, we don't need you to fill that scoring role. Do your defensive center shit, win face-offs. Like, and Sean Monaghan, that would be so much pressure off him too. And but yeah, I mean – Again, with the, the when I first saw that trade, like with the Kachuk and then like plus multiple firsts or a, a prospect who was a first and stuff like that, and yeah, rough look for Kevin Weeks. I don't know who that insider is, but don't get uh, calls from him anymore. And um, yeah, it's just I would have either way he was going to a Pacific team. Uh, I would have mm. preferred Calgary more just because that would have been on. Like I would love the McDavid Eichel showdown. Like how dope would that be? One and two picks. And then, of course, you get back into the conspiracy zone where Batman called and put a stop to it. Like, uh, and he's like, "No, it has to be Vegas. My baby's, my baby's got to do good." But uh, no, I mean, all, all kidding aside, it's maybe a missed opportunity. But then again, why, why rock the boat if you're Calgary? You're, you're doing great this year. I mean, if don't overpay, but that probably wasn't going to be an issue looking at the return. Yeah, fair enough. So. Uh, with that, we'll move into, uh, again, some of the, the negative story times and some of the things that have uh, been going on around the league that we uh, really, or around the hockey world even, that we really can't ignore. Um, we'll start off by talking about some of the things attached to the Kyle Beach story as that continues to play out. Uh, we got the confirmation this week, of course, that uh, Brad Aldrich's name has been X'd out on the Stanley Cup as we... All presumed, and you know, it, there's been an interesting debate, right, between would you prefer to have his name taken off versus X'd out? At first, I thought, yeah, take you know, like the, the X'ing out makes sense, the taking of the names off makes sense too, but I think I'm leaning towards the idea of you know, X'ing out someone's name can at least lead to the conversation of you know, as opposed to his name just not being there, like no matter what. Because of the inaction in 2010, the scumbag's always going to have a chance to say, that's my name behind those X's, and he'll still brag about it, I'm sure, and wear it as a badge of honor. Uh, but, yeah, at the end of the day, I think I'm okay with the decision behind Xing his name out, because people might look it up to say, like, oh, well, why is his name next out? Oh! Oh, and then all of this happens yeah. involving this story. So I think it leads to a conversation more than anything else. Yeah, I yeah. always prefer the route of education in forms of stuff like this. I wouldn't want to remove it completely. The Xing out, because you can still kind of see who it is a little bit if you really look closely enough. You can see the shapes of the letters and everything. But it, it does lead to people asking, oh, why was he there? And then you can educate and figure out why he did it. And well, because he's, he's a fucking idiot, that's why he did it. And just expand upon that. Yeah. 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 Sin, any, uh, no, uh, any particular I'm take or just... No, I'm just so sick of talking about Brad Aldrich and uh, yeah, that's fair. the situation. I just... It, I was on, I was honestly tempted to not even mention him by name, but that might be the, uh, the I, final time that we do. Yeah. And I hope name. it is. I just, I'm excited um, to get to this next section right here. Yeah, so there were some happy. positives. There were some positives that came out of this, and then we'll get to one more negative at the end of it. Um but one of the more promising things that came out of this uh, was actually from the Boston Bruins locker room. Um, 
Brandon Carlo, who is actually the Bruins NHLPA representative, uh, mentioned that the entire team together watched the Rick Westhead Kyle Beach interview. He said that both uh, head coach Bruce Cassidy and Patrice Bergeron stressed that it was important uh, to watch it together as a team. Uh, God, just, uh, it's nice. (laughs) Yeah. There's actual leadership for you I right there. Absolutely love the Bruins organization. Like I used to have, I had a soft spot for him ever since me and Tugi became friends and now straight up like holy crap. That's it just huge. It's absolutely huge and I hope a lot more organizations take the lead on something like this. Uh, there's I it's very few words just how important that is and the kind of support uh, that that gives to to Kyle Beach is that hey, not only are these guys you know supporting you, but they're watching it. They're trying to learn. They're trying to feel what you're feeling. They're validating your words right there, and that's what we need as the players taking those kind of steps. Um, you know, with the gravity of the situation, to it, you know, at the very least, watch it, be informed on on what happened, and. Yeah, that's just it's just massive. True, like you said, true leadership and just a high, high quality uh, decision by the organization. Yep, completely agree. I've even gone on saying that because of this, I'm probably going to be getting. Uh, and I know, like it's a just a piece of cloth at the end of the day. The but I'd probably end up be getting a uh, a Bruins jersey just because of the actions of the franchise itself. And this is definitely something that I think is a bare minimum. Uh, that should be for all franchises if some of this were to come out to learn upon situation like i said education figure out what what happened and how we can improve and make sure this is a better space for all people playing in the game no matter sexual orientation or even stuff like that even and it, it counts like this it's just you know hockey is for everybody and let's actually make it for everybody i will say uh, as a bruins fan like i i I do feel obligated to offset the positivity by what some people might mention is like, well, Jeremy Jacobs is still a very, very questionable owner, and I, I'll agree with that. We don't have to get into uh, some of the rich white man bullshit he's pulled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, in terms of the conversation being you know, surrounding a locker room, like, you know, Bergeron being there for almost 20 years now, it's yeah. just, you know, it's... It, it's positive to know that the next group that are, you know, the guys like Car like people talk about like, oh, Charlie McAvoy will probably be the new captain. Dude, I think Brandon Carlo could be the new captain of the team. It might not be the the biggest jersey selling idea, which why is why it might be McAvoy, but in terms of like an actual leader in that in that room, it, it's nice to know that the younger guys uh, that got to be in a locker room with Chara and with, with Bergeron. I'm I'm really optimistic about that. Um as well, in terms of kind of the same conversation, this comes from Chris Johnston. Uh, Wayne Simmons was interviewed quite a bit, and I think this is a very positive sign, right? Him mentioning specifically that you know his faith in the NHLPA has been has been rattled a little bit, which is nice. I think you know you need players like this, uh, respected players like Wayne Simmons, to step up and say, "Yeah, what their their role in the Kyle Beach situation." I'm not cool with that. The players aren't cool with that. This is the NHLPA. It's the association that's supposed to be representing 
my best interest, our best interest as players, and for someone like Wayne Simmons to speak up and say, like, yeah, no, there, there needs to be, essentially saying there needs to be some changes there, I think is also uh, very, very promising. And granted, we, we kind of have to <laughs> take a hard right in regards to some of the more positive aspects to uh, this, this coming from Ben Pope, uh, quoting Patrick Kane, quote, I feel bad about the last time I talked. I put my personal experience with management ahead of the way Kyle Beach was treated by them. It takes incredible courage and pride for him to come forward. We're all thinking about him. So did they fire the new? P- <laughs> did they fire the old PR guy and get this guy in? Because that's a pretty good statement right there to make people who are kind of oblivious kind of situation, you know, uh, be it. a little sentimental. It's it's terrible, uh, especially with um, just how upfront it was. Yeah, I know the guy. He's he'd never do a bad thing, and then yeah, bad thing, and yeah, that's not the guy I know. But yeah, but we know the guy that you know. He's not that great. Um, I think I don't know if I said that on here or if I just said posted on Twitter. I, it's all kind of bleeding together. You guys can stop me if I did say that on the podcast. Or what I'm about to say. It's, um, yeah, like you only. This is a, any sort of PR backpedaling that's happening from these guys. I simply don't believe because they've already, in my opinion, let forth the true their true feelings, the true way they think about things with their initial statements. The fact that they jumped so quick to try to you know, say what they felt about the GM or how great the ownership has been, how all these guys involved. Oh, I can't imagine them, you know, doing these things like this, you know, never at any point in the initial when it was all breaking down, did they express any concern for Kyle Beach, any support for Kyle Beach? And that's who needs it. And again, all of this after the fact, maybe I'm being too harsh, but again, they had several opportunities to do that. Not only right now, years ago, at any point during when all this was breaking down, this isn't their one opportunity. You can't come at me and say like, oh, well, you know, this, you know, sometimes you can't think clearly when the media is accosting you. You know, they've had 10 years to think about it. Okay. I don't care that they're 22 at the time. When I was 22, guess what? I knew rape was bad. You know that as a kid. You know hurting others is bad. You're taught that as a child. Don't use the age excuse. If it's an age excuse, oh, then why, are, why do we make young guys captains? Huh? Why are we so excited when, oh, this guy's such a young captain, a young leader? He's not going to act like – it's just – goddamn. How? I mean, Ugh. it's – it is very disappointing to see a lot of people – like, flat out, like, we weren't going to talk about it because it's not hockey-related, but the Henry Ruggs thing. You have people trying to excuse that as, oh, he's young and he made a mistake. Jesus like, Christ. obviously, that doesn't exactly connect. I'm not comparing yeah. Henry Ruggs to the inaction of Jonathan Taves and the Patrick response. Kane, but yeah. to Sin's point, mm-hmm. the idea of, oh, but it's a young adult who doesn't know any better and didn't feel like it was their their place to do Like, it's just, yeah, no, I, I at the risk of seeing, seeming like we're, we're piling on Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, like, I'm sorry, they've done themselves no favors yeah. in the way that they've spoken about all of this in the aftermath of the report being released last week. No favors whatsoever. So, again, it, it, it sucks in a way, because, like, hey, let's have, a, let's have a fun conversation about how the NHL 22 sucks, but end of the day, hockey is hockey, and you got to talk about the yeah. more negative stuff here, right? If yeah. we and there's still more to come. Yeah, if we don't talk about this, then we're part of the problem, and we're, yeah. not, we're not fighting for the change that's nec- necessary in hockey culture, and honestly, 
societal culture in general. Again, it's all symptoms and microcosms uh, of how things work on a grander scale. Oh, and we'll we'll talk about oh, yeah. societal issues. Uh, we'll we'll skip over this this next one that was kind of in the run sheet. We'll talk about these two other ones because that was a, a much better segue to those. Um, I want to shout out uh, a particular person on on Twitter who I hate to say I discovered who he is in the aftermath of uh, a very unfortunate incident this week. Uh, but it is a man uh, who goes by Avery, at A-V-R-Y on Twitter, um, who has worked uh, with the likes of Yahoo Sports, uh, the Hockey News, Sports Illustrated, and uh, he was the victim of racial abuse outside of Rogers Place after an Oilers game this week. Um, the good thing is the Oilers do appear to be supporting him, but and he seems to be handling it in stride as well, but... You know, you have all this stuff going on within the hockey world, but then you get moments like this where you have fans racially abusing other fans. You have what happened in fucking Pennsylvania at a high school game where I am sure most people have heard of this story. Uh, God, how do... Okay, here we go. During a game on Thursday... Uh, this was last Thursday, between Pittsburgh-area Armstrong High School and Mars Hockey Club, a member, or a number, excuse me, of Armstrong students participated in sexually explicit chants directed at a female goaltender on the Mars team, leaving the unnamed goaltender in tears. As a subsequent result of the chants, all Armstrong students have been banned from attending hockey games, while the students who allegedly participated may face further disciplinary actions. Not a single adult did a goddamn thing about this while this girl is hearing chants of she's a whore and suck our dicks. Do you, do you see do you see why in a way we'd feel uh you know it, I don't want to simplify to saying hey we'd feel kind of bad if we didn't talk about this shit but I don't know how I'd feel about myself if I'm just like hey oh this Kyle Beach story I'm not going to talk about it. Hey uh, we still have moments of fans being racially abused in the stands. We have incidents like this. Like, there's a reason why we bring it up on the show, and it's just because whether you like it or not, this shit happens in hockey. Whether it is uh, an abuse of power by coaches and people in authority of players themselves, whether it is fans being incredibly shitty towards other fans or fans being incredibly shitty towards players as much as it's it's a hockey story it is yeah. at the end of the day yeah. and obviously um you know it's one of those things to say like hey shine a spotlight we talk about the kyle beach stuff we do whatever the hell we can to try to help shine a spotlight on it however small that spotlight might be to say here's our stance on this and we hope those who listen and watch are like-minded and if not Maybe here, this conversation will help you think about, like, oh, yeah, maybe I should change for the better. If you are somebody who would racially abuse a fellow fan, you need to deeply think about your being, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah. If you are somebody who would chant that shit at a high school-aged girl, whether or not you're also in high school or not, like, for the love of God, you know? And it's like Sin said, like, if we don't mention this shit, I mean, it's, it's absurd 
It's absurd to think that, again, especially the, the high school story, that nobody said anything. I wonder how. How in the moment does nobody say anything? Like, I get the idea of, like, oh, we're sitting here, and you don't know what you do in that moment. And I feel like that's a lot of the the conversations, people being like, well, in the moment, you don't know what you do. You don't know what you would have done if you heard about the Kyle Beach thing. You don't know what you would have done if you were there and in Edmonton leaving the stadium and saw a guy get racially abused. You don't know what you'd do if you tried to tell a bunch of students to shut the fuck up. That's just the, the biggest goddamn cop-out, is it not? No, yeah. yeah, and I wonder how many of those kids go home to parents who are going to uh, complain about the mag the magnifying glass being put on their on their kids now and gonna blame cancel culture and say everyone's too sensitive and boys will be boys because again it, it, it does this doesn't happen by accident and i know some of you out there might be wanting to t- turn away from us because we keep having to talk about this kind of stuff and you're like oh, well this is you know i promise you we're not talking about it to talk cover a controversial talk it topics we're not about clicks i i want this to stop I don't want to talk about this. I'm with you. You know how we don't talk about it anymore? We fix it. We stop allowing it to happen and we fix what's wrong with the culture around hockey. And, you know, it it comes down to this very toxic and often, you know, this sort of male dominated behavior of these, you know, like, like I said, she's a horse, suck our dicks. That comes from, you know, a, a misogynistic place. This woman doesn't belong in my sport. The, the racist thing, this person who doesn't look like me doesn't belong here. He doesn't belong in this area, doesn't whatever. Again, it's it's just completely wrong. And it's, I can't, like I said, I don't want to talk about it, but we have to. Because that's the only way to get the message across that it's not okay. That's the only way to start on the road to fix it. And just, it was, I, I am so, so heartbroken for that girl. who She just wants to play a fucking game, dude. All she wants to do is mm-hmm. play a game and have fun. And you got to say that shit. You got to because. And again, you're saying that kind of stuff, that hurtful shit. And honestly, at, you know, to to a certain level, kind of, you know, sexually violent towards someone who just wants to play a game and you're not playing like what? What, is, what are you doing? It's it's a fucking sport. Why? Why? Yeah. And uh, you said you, anything that you, you said it the best it's just a sport like when you're at the high school level you're doing it for the love of the game there's nothing more than that none of that stuff was necessary the stuff that happened in edmonton like that's a culture of just edmonton in general and alberta and how it's like the second america wherever the fuck you want to call it it's disgusting and we're gonna talk about this stuff until it leaves and we don't have to talk about it we're gonna use our platforms to speak about it and share our sentiments and how we should be getting this out of the game and out of the sport and out of out of sports in general, not even just hockey. None of these stuff should be a talking point because it shouldn't be anything, anything, something we have to worry about. Like I shouldn't have to worry when I go to a rental game every day, if someone's going to call me the N word, cause it's happened and it's not great. That's, that's, an, that's unfortunate. And I don't want to deal with that, but I have to. And until we change the culture of hockey and of sports in general, we can get rid of these stigmas and all these negative, like, I don't, I have, I don't know how to probably say it. Just cut the shit, cut the shit. That That's, that's all I can say. Just cut the shit. I want to go play sport and I want to have fun with my friends. 
I don't want someone calling me the N-word or some sort of other stuff like that. I'm not going to say on this podcast, whatever the fuck, but just fuck, man. I'm tired of this shit. Fair enough. Came from my no, heart. There's no... Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> there's no great segue out of this. Uh, we are going to be able to talk about some of the things that happened uh, between Monday and Wednesday night. Uh, also want to mention, because we don't have any other games to talk about, uh, best wishes to those around the Penguins organization right now. Uh, it was announced today that Coach Mike Sullivan is the uh, latest to uh, come down with a, a positive COVID test. That list right now on COVID protocol includes Brian DeMoulin, Chad Ruedel, Marcus Pedersen, and Sidney Crosby. Uh, again, some asymptomatic. The word was Crosby is not. So hopefully, again, everything's all right there. And again, just goes to show that. Uh, uh, did you mean not asymptomatic to... or he's not symptomatic? As in he is not symptomatic. Okay. Or he is Symptom. Crosby is suffering from symptoms okay, at the okay, moment. Okay. Other go. players are asymptomatic. <laughs> there you go. Gotcha. Yeah. Regardless, oh, just so, it's he one of those just things. Just came where, back from injury. <sighs> yeah. He did. Yeah. Like, so one of those things where, uh, hey, still maybe be a little bit safe because, uh, yeah, we know people. It, it, stuff can still happen. Mm-hmm. All right. I get it. We're almost two years into this bullshit, but uh, you still got to play it safe sometimes, right? You got to do what you got to do. I went to my first event in person. I didn't really even talk about it. Last Wednesday in Boston, crowd of like 7,000 people. Wore my mask the whole fucking time. Even though, of course, you needed, you know, positive or positive. You need a proof of uh, a non-positive test or, th- you know, full vaccination. God, don't make me start on you that. Still, oh, my God. You still play it safe, damn it. You still play it safe. Boys, let's get out of this. Hold on. Let's I want to go on one little tangent right okay, here. Okay, you go Last on tangent. it. We'll stay in it. Okay, there are several <laughs> rinks in Toronto. I will say this. If you play hockey and listen to the podcast from Toronto, you'll know what I'm talking about. There is one rink in Toronto, downtown, like a kind of like a bad area, like Regent Park, and everyone knows stands. Um, I went to go play there, and I missed the podcast for that episode. They did not check my vaccination report and did not do contact screening. So I was freaking out for the past four fucking days because I got sick a little bit. Plan is fucking like... You're sick, right? Yeah, you're sick. Yeah, good. She's in the other room. She's just gone home. She's she can answer. I don't believe. Yeah, no, she, she can't. It's okay. It's fine. She's probably passed out on the chair. But yeah. do you? I have. I have been worried for the past four days about possibly having COVID and having all this shit happen. So, just my little tangent, my little rant. I am. I am irate. Maybe because I'm still mad about the whole racism thing and the whole uh, harassing the the female the the girl playing hockey. I'm just mad. What the fuck? Can can y'all just like follow the rules? Like here in here in Ontario, they're saying they're gonna get rid of all the mandates by March if we keep up this rate. I don't want to preach or anything, but just be be smart, respect other people's boundaries. And just do the thing so that way we can all go back to normal. We're almost there. We're at the cusp. We're almost getting it. Just don't be an idiot. I'm going to zoom the camera in real quick. Don't be a fucking idiot. Thank you. Sorry. I'm mad. <laughs> Tugi, why did you pick these two to be on the show with you? I think you've seen it in this episode. Don't be an idiot. I swear to go God. Go on rants of their own. It's great. I love it. Half the time. Normally, I'm the one that's like, okay, let's look at Tugi for the rants, but sometimes I get to just sit back and listen, and it's awesome. That said, boys, <laughs> let's get into talking about some of the actual hockey that went down. We'll try to go through the segment a little bit. Uh, 
a little bit quickly here. We'll start off on Monday night. Uh, of course, if you missed the show, uh, Sin and I really kind of set the stage for that. We did talk about uh, the Adam Fox extension as well, so go back and listen to Monday's show if you did not catch that. Uh, but on Monday night, uh, Tampa beat Washington. Both, uh, you know, hey, it was a good game. It was 3-2. Tampa's up to five wins on the year. Washington has five wins already. Brett Leeson scored his first goal for the Caps. Uh, Alex Kalorn has seven goals already, which is very frustrating because I, again, like whenever I think of Alex Kalorn, he used to be a really good hockey player, and then it's kind of some of the stuff that he didn't said, but he's still a really goddamn good player. Oh, and Tom Wilson tried to break Eric Chernock's forearm and wrist because the Tom Wilson's definitely not that type of player. But they were getting they were getting into the shoving match before a fight. I don't know if I've ever seen a player have their hockey stick parallel and raise it and drop it as hard as they possibly could into someone's forearm before a fight. Tom Wilson keeps finding new ways to surprise me. He was trying to do that um, suddenly from NHL 21 where you go like this. <laughs> Shaking the ropes like the ultimate warrior. Yeah. It's got the aggression uh, level of Ultimate Warrior too. So hey, yeah. God, yeah. Jesus. I heard. Um, I they. I did see some people say some some of the Caps fans like, well, look, you know, Chernak had his stick towards his groin area, and maybe he was responding to that. I'm like, okay, it's he didn't get like full on speared. Maybe he had it there to fuck with him. You still don't two-hand chop forearm onto someone's wrist, which is one of the most unprotected areas of uh, of your body uh, when you got all your hockey gear on. That space after the end of the glove before, mm-hmm. like, like, what the fuck is up with Wilson, man? I don't know. You ask him. Uh, he's just going <laughs> to keep me doing what loop, he's got to do. This is the next. Oh, what? Tag. The, uh, this final, this yes. final talking point in regards to... Yeah, well, I had to throw it on because... <laughs> Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning legend Marion Gabarik. Thought he retired uh, like announced... five years ago. <laughs> no, he officially <laughs> retired today. What? As yeah. um, hilarious as that is. How old is he? Uh, so it's a, hey, it's a good chance to talk about how fucking awesome Marion Gabarik was. I mean, he was the first ever draft pick in Minnesota Wild history, and goddamn, like, it, it sucks to kind of see how his career just you know fizzled out. Uh, really after the end of 2018. Like, he was technically on an NHL roster for the past three years, uh, but did not play any games. But Marion Gabarik was a stud of a player. So goddamn good. There could be the debate as Endo's knocking over dishes. Sorry! There could be... You know, that potential debate, like we always see, you always want to jump to like, okay, but are they a Hall of Fame level player? I don't know if Marion Gabrick's a Hall of Fame level player, but he will be one of those guys, I think, that is constantly brought up as, holy shit, do you remember how good Marion Gabrick mm-hmm. was at his peak? Because he was unreal in terms of, I feel like, being one of those skaters that helped everybody kind of take a big leap forward. Like, he, in terms of how good of a skater he was. How fluid of a skater he was, how fast he was. You know, it's like he was that next evolution of player before the rest of the game had really caught up yeah. and gotten there. So I he's he's one of my favorite players ever. Uh he is technically uh a Stanley Cup champion. Oh yeah. <laughs> well not te- well, technically a champion with the Lightning. He did win, of course, with the LA Kings um in 2014. He scored 14 goals in that um in that cup run, by the way, him. again, he, dude, like, <laughs> he so, so talking good. about specifically that 2014 cup for the Kings, he played 22 games at the Blue Jackets, had 14 points. That's not too bad, right? He then goes to the Kings 
and has 16 points in 19 games, so an even better pace. And then in the playoffs, 22 points in 26 games for the Kings to win that second cup. What a Chad. God, I'd love me some Marion Gabbert. Yeah, we all knew this was coming. Yeah, let's go. Um, he was in. He was on the Rangers for a bit. Yeah, I'm just making sure I didn't confuse. Yeah, him. yeah. Some yeah. of my favorite. I just wanted to make sure this was him. Um, he's for some reason one of those guys I can occasionally get confused with like another player. But he, I could listen to the stories about him and Torts going back and forth in locker rooms and team meetings like constantly because Torts would always be telling him to block shots and he'd just be like, nah, I don't block shots. I don't know. And like not paying attention <laughs> during like, like, like Torts' worst fucking nightmare is this offensively gifted Marion Gabrick who's like, I know what I do. I'm sure in myself. You're not going to get me to block shots. I know you want everyone to block shots. I mean, made Ryan Callahan captain for God's sakes because – but yeah, oh, it's uh, just those stories always crack me up about like just Marion Gabrick refusing to block shots and just flat out telling Torts he's not going to do this defensive thing that he wants. It's oh. the best because he played three and a half seasons with the Rangers, uh, 2009-10 and 2011-12. He scored 40 goals yeah. in both of those seasons. Wasn't Gabrick <laughs> I wouldn't want him blocking shots either. Fuck. <laughs> you can get injured. Yeah. No, nah, Gabrick was never on Toronto, but he was on Ottawa. What the fuck? Um, why do I visually like remember him wearing like a Leaf jersey? And I don't know why. Might have been so. I don't else. know why either, because he never did. What the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, a, a farewell to to Marion Gabrick, a really really good NHL career. Yeah. Um, also on Monday, the Chicago Blackhawks, and a positive spin for them for once. Jesus Christ. Uh, they won their first game of the season. They beat the Ottawa Senators 5-1. to one. Patrick Kane, as much as we've talked about him already in yeah. this show, uh, he did score a hat-trick Still in a good that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, that's the thing, right? We can question Patrick Kane's uh, decision-making off the ice, uh, perhaps his character and leadership qualities, but there's no denying, and again, I've said it on the show earlier this year, Patrick Kane is the greatest American hockey player in NHL history. That's not what we're talking about. We're not yeah. talking about him on the ice. It's been him off the ice. But, yeah, he's still uh, a phenomenal player on the ice. And the only other game that took place on Monday, it was a bit of a quiet day. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers beat the Seattle Kraken 5-2. to two. Uh, For the Kraken, like, hey, Jaden Schwartz finally got his first goal. Good to see him show up this season. And uh, Leon Dreisaitl scored two goals. <laughs> Yeah, and even you know it's bad when Duncan Keith and Kyle Turris are scoring. Yeah, shows how that game went for the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> was this this wasn't the game with the Everly backhand, was it? Uh no, that no. was um was this the closer to this prior weekend? One thing I've enjoyed of Duncan Keith being on the Oilers is all everyone making the meme of putting his quote. You know, I still feel like I got a left in the tank. We'll see who's a step behind out there. And then they include a video of Duncan Keith just getting fucking burned. Like, one, once yeah. with Everly, who, like, shoved his ass out of the way on his way towards the goal. Other I think ones, that was from this game okay, on Monday, yeah, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. I didn't think he scored on the backhand on that. But, yeah, I knew I knew one of those things was from that game. And I was just, god damn, it is so funny. One thing I love about Oilers fans is they are just not afraid to absolutely roast their team at any time. <laughs> I think... I think after what they've gone through, yeah. after making it to the Cup Final in 06, they kind of had to learn that uh, we just got to we got to be able to joke about ourselves yeah. here in the negative moments, and some of those negative moments are still up, there man. for sure. Oh, Sharks <sighs> go up 2-0 in the series. Oh, they lose the next four. Oof. <laughs> and <laughs> Raffy Torres, fuck you. 
Imagine Rafi uh, Torres beating your team and being the sole reason for it. Welcome to the mid 2000s, kids. God, well, speaking of the mid-2000s and shitting the bed, uh, Tuesday night, the Toronto Maple Leafs, we can talk about them. Uh, <laughs> Yay! Uh, and no, on Tuesday, the Leafs beat the Golden Knights 4 to nothing. Jack Campbell had a shutout. Mitch Marner got his second goal of the season, which was fucking unreal. Oh, yeah. It was like something out of an EASHL sweat fest. Uh, and Austin Matthews scored his uh, second and third goal, so he's heating up, and William Nylander scored as well. So, hey, your big players showed up. Jack Campbell got a shutout uh, all as well. Stanley Cup for the Leafs. Here we go. Um, I just want them to get past the first round. I don't give a, I don't give a flying fuck, realistically, if they do anything else. They could shit the bed, but if they don't, if they don't get past that first line, that first round, I, I will say that this is now I'm on a podcast. So this has like legitimate like like standing. If they do not get out of the first round, I will no longer be a Leafs fan. I I don't believe flat, you. You don't believe I don't me? Believe I've, you said, I've said You're that. Still I, I have said that at times. No, with the no, no. I legit. I am. I am sick and tired of this. I. I <laughs> this is a dirty mistress in my life. Okay, it has been fucking me over for the past. I've been. I've been alive for twenty three years. I've been a Leaf fan for probably that same amount of time. I. I can't. I can't do it anymore. The pressure is too much on me. Like I'm not even playing the goddamn sport, but I'm like, oh my god, they gotta do it. You know what? I like. I want to have some closure. Either they get out of the first round, or I'm gone. I don't give a fuck. That whole team's gonna be gone if they go out the first round. The whole team's so, gone anyway. I'll be gone too. Fuck. Cares. You're you're 23. <laughs> I am 23. now 31. I'm thinking eight years ago, where was I? And it was very, very close. It wasn't quite 2014. But yeah, it was around that same sort of time. Sharks winning presidents and shit. And you know how many times I was like, I can't be a Sharks fan anymore. This is bullshit. Dude, 2014 was the worst. I think that was the reverse sweeper. Was it 2012? I don't know. The pain blends together. But yes, I'm like, oh my God, the Sharks have a 3-0 lead over the Kings. They're fucking killing it. Lose one, lose two, lose three. Here's game seven. I can't be a shit fan anymore if they do this. Next year, I'm right back in it. I'm sniffing that fucking hype and i'm breathing in pure copium and I, i'm believing I, I don't i don't believe you as a toronto maple Leafs fan especially here's, as a canadian i don't believe you here's the difference though your team's gone out of the first round my team hasn't gone out of the first round almost we said it's almost two decades almost okay? true but we were having first and second round wins constantly while winning president's trophies with joe thornton in his prime man yeah and <sighs> I'm not. I can't take the copium anymore. Okay, I'm out of copium. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting off my addiction of copium. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. You know what I got for my birthday one year? You know what I got for my birthday one year? Remember the game when the Leafs blew it in OT? Oh, besides every game, game seven with 2014. Okay. Oh, the playoffs, game seven. Yeah, yeah, the one with Reimer in it, and he just flopped like a fucking fish. I got that for my birthday. That's in my memory. It's in my mind. That's the worst <laughs> fucking birthday present. You know what I did? I bought a fucking sweater. I bought a fucking sweater from that team. I'm done. I'm not gonna burn my sweater like I'm fucking two BC. I'm gonna donate that sweater to charity to someone who deserves it. Fuck. But I'm done. I swear Fuck, they don't get out. Yeah, baby. <laughs> fucking done, baby. <laughs> I had to. I had to bring it out. I haven't had to do anything. This is great. I, I, on a positive I, note, I got plenty of fantasy points. Thank you, Matthews and Nylander. Finally, you assholes. Uh, God, I'm one and two because you. Well, mostly Matt Matthews being injured and then slow start. But thank you, Nylander. What a gem. 
God, uh, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, dude, there were a shitload of shutouts on Tuesday. I don't know How what was up with Allen that, but the Habs shut out. What the hell? The Habs shut out the Red Wings three to nothing. Jake Allen gets a shutout. Uh, Nick Suzuki finally got his first goal. For as much as we hyped him up, he hadn't had a goal yet this year. Uh, Anderson has three, Gallagher has two, so we know the Habs' offense has been struggling. Uh, not all doom and gloom for the Red Wings, though. Like Moritz Sider was declared uh, October Rookie of the Month, which we talked about that on the last show as well. Like it's he and Lucas Raymond right now in a two-horse race. Everyone else has to catch up. But yeah, Jake Allen with the shutout. Who needs carry? Who needs carry Price when you have Jake Allen? We didn't last year when he went got sent into Laval to Zucalo. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um yeah. we'll just move on. Philadelphia Flyers beat the uh beat the Arizona Coyotes three to nothing. Uh Couturier has four goals on the air. Drew has five, so they're doing well. Carter Hart gets the shutout. Uh in six games this year, Carter Hart has a two thirty-three goals against average and a nine twenty-eight. Save percentage. Flex time real quick. I picked up Carter Hart with my last fantasy draft pick. He was my sleeper pick, and goodness gracious, has he been nice. Uh, anyway, continue. Well, well that is impressive. <laughs> oh, never mind. I was going to say, I was going to be like, oh, well, who do you play against? Have those numbers. Then I looked at who he played against. Seattle, Florida, Edmonton, Calgary, Arizona. Yeah, I'm going to shut up now. That's actually pretty pretty goddamn good. <laughs> That's not a bad one. <laughs> I was going to be like, would you right? play, like... Arizona four other times. It's like no, he yeah, played I'll, I'll take the free team. shutout against Arizona. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, hey, you know, people were saying it was maybe the Flyers' defense. It was more the issue. I think in general, like Carter Hart needed to be better this year. And hey, yeah, so he did. Far, he so good. But I mean, also Martin Jones is looking good, which is maybe also a little bit of the Flyers' defense improving. <laughs> there you go. Uh, another goal in this too. The Arizona Coyotes picked up Scott Wedgwood on waivers from the Devils because Vamelka's too good. We need Hutton and Wedgwood to really help tank for Shane Wright. That's the only way I can view that. Like, that's it. Like, you don't pick up Scott Wedgwood. I mean, unless you're tanking. They kind of needed another goalie, but... Yeah. Oh, God. I, I, just, I love it. The Coyotes are tanking to perfection right yeah, now. It's I, great. I do kind of worry about the effect it might have on some of their players, like a uh, Clayton Keller or mm. uh, Jake, Jacob Chick, Chickren. And if they'll even be able to keep those dudes around. I, I Well, I mean, obviously Keller signed them. Um, I guess Chickering is too, but I mean, still at the same time, like, God damn, that's got to suck. 10 games in, you haven't won. That's got to wear yeah. on you mentally. Like in one point in that time yeah. as well. Like, thing, how yeah. do you bounce back from that? Even in the next year, even if you start getting better players, like that's just going to be so hard to recover from that sort of long term of tanking anyway. But that's just me sure. speculating and musing. I'm just interpolating this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, Minnesota beat Ottawa 5-4 to in overtime. Uh, interesting game for this reason. Uh, shout out to Marcus Foligno, who has four goals on the year now. Kirill Kaprizov scored his first goal of the season in this game. Took him nine games to get his first goal. I feel like that has been an underrated storyline probably everywhere outside of Minnesota yeah. uh, to begin this season. Like, very, very surprised. How many assists does he have? Ah, that's a good question. Let's, like, uh, is he let's... producing points? Because he just signed that big ass deal. Let's take a look at old Kirill Kaprizov. I already had Hockey DB up. Uh, he does have seven assists, so he okay. has eight points in nine games. Yeah, that's okay. yeah, You're not, still not, not really a bad thing there. Yeah, but the one goal. Yeah, he had twenty-seven last year. I'll be intrigued to see if he hits that again. 
Uh, 27 goals in 55 games last year, he, which is He always nuts. looks kind of like he had more of a playmaker side to him. Not that he doesn't have a great shot and can't put the puck in the net, but when I would watch those videos of him just skating around, like, at will, his sidestepping when he's going around the horn and, like, God damn, like he the way he skates, the way he moves in his vision, like he he still seems like to me more of a playmaker. So I don't mind it as much. But yeah, I mean, if they're counting on him to be a goal scorer, he does need to get going. But honestly, if I had Caprice off, I'm like, yo, do your thing. Like, do, do whatever the fuck you're going to do, man. We'll build around you. So. And to shout out certain members of the Sens there, uh, Nick Paul has three goals this year. But more importantly, uh, Drake Batherson has five. Chris Tierney has five. Elite. Josh Norris has six. No, he doesn't. That's fake news. <laughs> I think <laughs> the Josh Norris is just scoring goals. And it's so, oh, I didn't. Even, I didn't. I, honestly, I didn't think he would do this good. Um, I'm gonna be real. I oh, liked him. God. I really liked him. Like, yeah, this is a possible like a couture like player who's you know who's gonna be solid and he's pro- he's defensively responsible too. He had a great a great what do they call that shit? Top, top, yeah. The rookie. Where they all get together and lift weights and shit. Combine. <laughs> combine. The, combine. Thank you. I almost I said Columbine. Say, oh, my God. I was going to say complex. I was like, well, no, that's not it. But, yeah, good for Norris. Good for the Sens, honestly. Um, they needed those. And if you're wondering why out. the show was called Rookies Lifting Weights, <laughs> you've reached that portion of the show. Young weight. But yeah, Chris Tierney. Y-U-N-G. Wait. To the co- I'm, Chris Tierney got the piano off his back. Hype to the Cobra. Let's go. Oh, my God. Uh, This has been one of my favorite shows we've ever done. This is great. Uh, (laughs) uh, I want to shout this out, too, again, because I was just going – I like going by the game-by-game stats. Like, oh, what's interesting about this? Winnipeg beat Dallas 4-3 to in a shootout on Tuesday. Um, Shout out to Pierre-Luc Dubois, who has seven goals this year as well. Like, all the hype around PLD disappeared. Like, he he murdered the Leafs. He gets traded to Winnipeg, and now nobody gives a shit. But he has seven goals. Did you have to bring up yeah. the Leaf the thing? Jets. Did you really have to bring up the Leaf thing? I, yes. <laughs> yes. If, in case you haven't noticed, my role on this show has just been to stir you two up, and it's worked out yeah. perfectly. Well, here's another so, instance yes. where I get to praise my fantasy roster for having Pierre-Luc Dubois. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but if you have uh, the likes of Jamie Benn and Jason Robertson, you might be disappointed because those two also just scored their first goals of the year. Um, very surprising. Like Jamie Benn obviously is paid to do more than that, and Jason Robertson uh, realistically could have won the Calder yeah. last year. So to see him get just one goal on the season so far in what was Dallas's, I do believe, ninth game of the yeah. season. Rough. That's... Uh, Again, a bit of a slow start there and can explain Dallas being at 3-4-2 and two to start the year. How quickly so. they fell from, uh, you know, uh, getting to that cup final. I mean, they they, they mm-hmm. missed last year, didn't they? Yeah, they or did they lose in the play-in? God, I don't even remember. I can't remember Sorry, either. It's Dallas like a fever fans. dream the last two years. At, uh, <laughs> let's take a look at Dallas Stars seasons either way. Uh, just to check this out. I, well, now I need to know because I, I just don't remember. Free Pavelski. And I feel bad. Uh, the Dallas Stars did not make the playoffs last year. They finished fifth in the Central. If I remember right, they were the team like above all else got absolutely boned by COVID protocol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I seem to remember that now. Okay. They're like, oh yeah, they just they had awful luck. Texas. Just awful. Texas makes sense. <laughs> shout shout out to uh, our boy OG Kevin Bacon, the 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 pride of Texas. Just yeah. fucking beautiful man. <laughs> Uh, the White Rose of Texas, OG Kevin Bacon just, on Twitch. Just the White of Texas. 
<laughs> There's plenty of that to go around. Come on. Oh, God. Speaking of white, Nashville. Uh, they... <laughs> and Calgary. Let's go. We're crushing it. Nashville beat Calgary 3-2 to in overtime. Not much to talk about there. Shout out to Matt Duchesne who had three goals on the year at the end of this. Uh, Matthew Kachuk scored his fourth mm-hmm. And then was a part of absurd trade rumors. So, uh, hey, yeah, interesting. What we interesting one. The next game is more interesting, though. No disrespect. Uh, Vancouver beat the New York Rangers three to two in overtime. JT Miller getting his second and third goals of the year. That third was an OT winner. Shout out to Vasily Pold Colson, who has two goals now. Um, Zabanajad and Panarin both get their second goals of the year. Need to see them pick up that pace just a little bit. Uh, brand new contract for Zibanejad. He has two goals on the year so far. Um, but this game was highlighted by the fact that Thatcher Demko uh, played a good 10 to 15 second stretch without a blocker yeah. and was making saves, including this ridiculous kick save that ended up on like Sports Center's number one uh, plays of the day. Yeah, <laughs> this was absurd. And the the thing that it made me think of is like they eventually blew the play dead, if I'm not mistaken, realizing that oh he's without his blocker. But what's weird to me is I don't understand the rules of goalies losing equipment and when it results in a stop and when it doesn't. Okay, so... Because... So hold on, because Demko lost his blocker and eventually they blew the whistle. But I remember it was like the 2018 playoffs, 2019 maybe, that Tuka Rask against Tampa in the playoffs lost his skate blade. And you love that moment because of him shaking the skate blade at someone like fucking... Like fucking... God, Ramsey Bolton and the fucking sausage in fucking Game of Thrones. Hey, that's a Game of Thrones reference in 2021. First time that's ever happened. Um, I just don't understand. Like, goalie loses escape blade? No, the play can continue, but he loses his blocker. Like, I get there's a difference in terms of protection, but the idea of just, like, if a goalie can't do what he's supposed to do because of an equipment thing, like, would you not think a goalie has more control over losing his blocker because a goalie could just get a penalty shot and go fucking fling that blocker? But if you lose a skate blade, you can't. I just I don't get it. So the general it was great rule, though from Demko. General is possession. So and your team gets possession. Possession is nine tenths of the law. Yeah. got it. <laughs> basically, it's basically what it is. Because um, you notice the play didn't go dead. Like he was waving his hand at the ref, and the ref saying like they don't have possession. Like they don't have the possession of the puck, so you can't do anything about it. So he's flopping around like a goddamn fish out there. I've had skates where I've lost like. Like, I'm going to get ready, and I have my sticks on the top of the net, but that's a stick. And, like, sometimes I'll make a scene, like, my blocker pops off, and I'm like, shit! And, like, I have to still keep playing it. Even in even in fucking beer league. I mean, they're assholes. The rest are assholes and just want to go home. It's not going to call anything. But this way, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. And that that's that's how it be. That That's how it is, unfortunately. I feel like there's that's so much gray be. area, more than anything else, surrounding goaltenders goaltender yep. interference goaltender equipment mm-hmm. stuff i've seen ones you know where we had that a couple of years ago where we saw a goaltender make a save without a mask on which i think was more of an oversight of them not blowing the whistle in time because it happened pretty quick was that vasilevsky um i think it i was. can't remember i don't remember either way i was kind of shocked to see this in my opinion game flow needs to stop outweighing safety and having missing your blocker like that is Dude. dangerous as fuck. He didn't like. I would have thought like, oh, he doesn't have a blocker. He'll put like an arm behind his back to protect his hand. No, he's just holding it's his mu- hand out there. It's like, like muscle reflex. Exactly. It's like muscle reflex. How do you stop doing that? And like, 
Yeah, I, it's just, I don't know. And, like, I get the whole argument, oh, well, you don't want goalies doing this on purpose. Like, when's the last time you've, I've seen a goalie try to, like, get a stoppage by throwing, like, a, I've seen people, you know, something comes loose, they shake their helmet off because, mm-hmm. well, they don't want to mm-hmm. play with a loose helmet. That I can understand. But, like, in my opinion, goalies aren't trying to fuck themselves out of their equipment to not make saves and not make plays. Like, there's, I don't know. Maybe yeah, so it's yeah. okay, and maybe it's happened so few and far between that the rules are fine. But that just was weird to me watching a guy without like with those sharp ass blades, him being on the ice, his hands on the ice, and I'm just cringing at like, what if that puck hits it? What if a fucking skate goes over it? Ugh. Well, mm-hmm. didn't Fran- didn't like uh, like uh, Francis make like a no glove like hand save like last season or whatever? Somebody did yeah. recently. Yeah, uh, I know Justin Peters. Oh, remember that name. Uh, made a save with no mask. Braden Holpe made a save, and it was Fransu. It was Fransu who made a save back when he was with, I think he got called up to the end. So the team made a, made a glove save. Yeah, hold on. Get up right That's now. That's crazy. Uh, I will say as well, just in re- in regards to this topic of conversation again, Thatcher Demko's season, he has been so stupidly good. Yeah. And I kind of hope he can he can keep this up. I don't know why. Uh, probably because he went to BC, but I'm rooting for Thatcher Demko. And uh, yeah, man, Endo, did you end up finding that particular clip that you got, or can I talk about how Justin Hall has apparently been scratched for the third straight game, making almost $2 million? Go for it. Uh, go for that while I still find it up. <laughs> Wait, as uh, in Toronto? God. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah. I just Hall. I just caught that news on Twitter that uh, granted we're recording a little bit late here, so some of these games uh, for tonight are just about ready to start. But yeah, Justin Hall, who is making two million dollars this year and next, is apparently a healthy scratch for the third straight game for the Maple Leafs there. So uh, just to try to twist a knife on Endo, he'll keep looking for that. Sin. I'm gonna move on uh, because who knows if he'll even find Found it. <laughs> but okay. Oh, who was it? It was. How did it happen? What the hell? It was Garrett Sparks for the Maple Leafs. Remember that? Oh, there you go. He's with the Marlies. What you the see, heck? You're not, the Leafs fans are already going to be kicking you out because you didn't remember that. Shut the fuck up. You're all a bunch of boomers anyway. Shut up. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, just to finish up Tuesday because Sin will get his <laughs> moment to shine that. here as well. Um, uh, the Ducks beat the Devils 4 to nothing. Gibson with a shutout because, again, Tuesday had a ton of shutouts. Ryan Getzlaff scored his first. Shout out to Troy Terry. People calling for him to be on a, a national team coming up for the Olympics. He scored his sixth and seventh goals of the season there. Uh, maybe not all doom and gloom for the Devils, though. They called up Alex Holtz today. So uh, another shiny new toy to be distracted by. But... Sin, I mean, you get to see him more frequently, I'm sure. Troy Terry is sick. He's good. He's so good. I, he's so underrated, and he's not gonna. He's he's not a name, so he's not gonna get on a national team. I feel like that's half of how it works sometimes. Because <laughs> I'm looking at some guys who get like overlooked for these national teams, and to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense either way. Yeah, he's. Hmm. Um, again, this is just a year where the Ducks are starting to kind of fall into place, and you can start to sort of see their future coming into place. I mean, Troy Terry a couple years ago. Solid depth piece. Yeah, maybe he slots in every now and then. I never thought of him as anything more than that. But it's great to see him, you know, starting to uh, to come alive here. And obviously you're going to have to watch out for him. And, yeah, screw the Ducks. I don't, I don't like them. No. <laughs> but seriously. And that will bring us to the Sharks then as they beat the Sabres 5-3, to highlighted by Jonathan Dolan's fourth goal of the year. Uh, Thank you, Vancouver. Mr. Merc- 
One Mr. Uh, Ryan Merkley and Mario Ferraro scored their first goals of the season. Tomas Hurdle scored his fourth and fifth. Sin, take it away. Um, Ryan Merkley is surprising the crap out of me. I will say that first and foremost. I was like, that man is not going to touch the ice this year. I would watch him in preseason, watch him in the rookie stuff. I just, I'm like, he's not ready. He comes in and, and all he is, I mean, getting that first goal was huge. Is his, you know, obviously his first uh, NHL career goal in his second NHL career game, which is pretty awesome for a defenseman. Bit of a lucky one, throws a shot from the point, hits a couple things on its way to the net. That's hockey, goes in. After he scored that, the amount of confidence he was playing reminded me of Dan Boyle in his prime. Some of the shit that he was trying to pulling off and successfully pulling off was good. He had so much confidence. He looked to skate into the zone, did a circle around and threw a shot on net as he crept in. He was joining the rush. He looked like, like I said, a combination of Dan Boyle and some of you know his tendency to join the rush and where you'd all of a sudden, oh, there's Merkley, is kind of Carlson-esque, just the amount of skating he has when he wants to turn on the Jets. It was very good to watch. Ferraro getting a howitzer um, from, you know, able to show off his 100-mile-per-hour shot, as we found out from uh, the Sharks' skill competition. Um, funniest quote, I don't think we have it in here. No, there's a Couture quote. Funny, a lot of funny Couture quotes after that game, but... He said, yeah, he's like, yeah, we're always trying to tell Mario to shoot it more, but he's always got Brent Burns yelling at him for the puck, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is a fantastic quote. Also, great to see that clearly the Sharks are having fun and having fun with one another again. Um, did you guys see either of Hurdle's goals, by the way? I did not. You need to look up I'm those highlights. Look at now. <laughs> yes. Um, the, his, his second one especially. Wow. Um Kind Will of you sign that man. Yeah, oh, pay that man. man. Yeah, Mario Ferraro played thirty goddamn minutes, and I did not stop talking about that for an entire night. As Tugi and his Twitch chatter aware, I <laughs> uh, came in there. That was like the first thing I said. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> this next one, though, I feel like we all got to kind of touch in on that because it's a pretty big talking point. It's the status of Eklund, who is, I think, tonight playing in his. Eighth game since he did skip one. The Sharks have played nine, or maybe this is his ninth. Yeah, he skipped one. The Shark, no, the Sharks have played eight. He skipped one. So this will be his eighth game tonight. So he has technically, mm -hmm. I don't, does it work with the amount of games the rookie plays or the amount of games that the team plays? I think it's based off of the games they play. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't the limit nine? That's what I thought. Nine yeah. Game? yeah. So yeah. he's, so they're coming up very, very quickly on the decision of does he stay mm -hmm. or do you send him back over to Sweden to not burn yeah. a year of his ELC? I wanted to get your guys' takes on this first, and then I can kind of give mine if you guys have takes. <laughs> so it's, I mean, I haven't been able to watch any Sharks games aside from the one that they played against the Bruins. I mean. I oh, yeah, didn't play in that one. <laughs> there you go. So I really haven't seen him outside of highlight form, which is very, very tough, obviously, yeah. to then judge a player. I I just don't know, like, okay, how much does he contribute right now to the success of this team? Like, if you lose him off of this roster, are they suddenly no longer a 6-3 and three hockey team? Are they a 3-6 and six hockey team? Yeah. You know? He has four points in eight games, though. I mean, do they have somebody to step into that lineup 
to directly replace him, or is there someone in like the bottom six that would then get a better chance to step up uh, if you you know push someone up from the bottom six? I don't know if they do. I mean, you know, they do have the massive you know COVID issue right now still as well. Like I know Meyer, LeBanc, uh, Nieto still um, on protocol. So it's like you're looking at John Leonard or Noah Gregor, Joachim Blickfeld. Like, there are guys you can give a chance to. I guess it really just depends on how confident they would be to really make a run, you know? And more so the cap situation down the road. I I don't I don't really have a take. I don't really have a take. I can look at the aspects of the the situation. But I, I can see the positives to both, you know, sending him down or keeping him. Endo. Yeah, I see the I see the same way. Uh, Depending on like who they have through COVID protocol and everything, they might be forced to keep him, and they might just keep him up as well, burn the year of the contract, whatever. Because it seems like he's gelling pretty well. I mean, four and eight as a rookie, as an eighteen-year-old's, it's pretty good. I'm not gonna say it's bad. It's pretty good. If if they do keep him, that'll be great for this thing. But I don't want to rush the development of the player, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't want to just bring him up and just have him there. Yeah, so that's – I have this funny feeling that they're going to keep him around. Um, not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but in my opinion, the only the, – when I went into this season, I said the only way I'm keeping this, this dude around is if he's on every single – like on every single night for those nine games um, and is like at point per game, which may seem like a very high bar. But in my opinion, if you're going to play this guy, burn a year of his entry level, that's the level that he needs to play at. That all being said, he does a lot of other stuff that don't find the score sheet, not to mention he's had about five beautiful passes that were simply not finished on either by Balsers or one time hurdle on a breakaway. And there's some, he could have more points. He could have more assists. He's gotten close to a goal, hasn't buried it, but I just don't know if that's, I I don't know. Like I, in my opinion, I don't think the sharks are realistic contenders. Um, I don't think Eklund puts him over that hump. I'm worried about, you know, frustrating him by sending him back to Sweden, but I'm worried about rushing him along a la, um, I'm forgetting the name now, Mr. Defenseman went to New Jersey afterwards. See, I (laughs) fucking forgot his name. That's how much of a bust he was. It starts with an M, too, and I just cannot remember. Uh, Mirko Mueller. Thank you. Thank you. Mirko Mueller. Um, you know, the worst part is I had, I had to zone out for a second to text the girlfriend. I jumped back in mid-conversation, and I still knew you were talking exactly. about <laughs> NHL roster editing has ruined yeah. my brain. There you yeah. go. But, I mean, you know, I, uh, that's why I don't want to rush him along. That being said, in an interview with him, he, like, Eklund's like, yeah, I feel like I'm ready. I feel like, you know, this is where I belong. So it puts the Sharks in a very precarious situation where you're either going to, you know, you're going to burn a year of that entry level if you keep him around. He's at 0.5 point per game, no goals. In my opinion, not worth it to keep some of that young around. That being said, what Tugi said, who 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 replaces him? No one. Maybe the Sharks are better off in that light. Are we going to sign Hurdle? I feel like with this start, the way the Sharks are playing, there needs to be conversations. If conversations aren't happening, he's going to get traded. You better do it sooner rather than later. I don't want to, tr- but ah, Sharks are. In, it's a, such an awkward transition year where it, it's. It, I I really don't know what's going to happen. I think. What I feel like should happen, and I'm leaning towards the side of sending Eklund back to Sweden, 
develop him, don't rush him along. We need that ELC slide in our contract situation, especially if we somehow sign Hurdle. But if you send him down, the Sharks suck. Do you do you, do you get Hurdle? So it's crazy. It, it, this could go either way. But yeah, also Jeff yeah. Skinner scored a second and a third, and we made Jeff Skinner look good. And I'm a little bit disappointed about that. But good job with <laughs> your nine go. million Skinner. Elf, I just want to. I just want to jump right in. So I found out uh, who the goalie was, the recent one, Hunter Miska, or Miska, uh, of the Colorado Eagles, uh, formerly ECHL, but now the AHL uh, team, farm team of the Colorado Avalanche, made the mm-hmm. glove save, and I think after the play he was injured. <laughs> like yeah. he full on like palmed in his so. hand. Like if he wasn't injured, man's uh, a superhero. Uh, and what's he doing yeah. in the AHL? So. Just to wrap up the conversation and about William Eklund, I mean, if they push back, um, you know, if, if they get the ELC slide, he wouldn't be in need of a new deal until they're heading into the 2025-2026 season. That is coincidentally the time that the Brent Burns deal is finally up. Yep. Now, is Brent Burns going to play until he's 40 years old? Who knows? But at that point, the only people who would be under contract uh, would be Logan Couture. Still making eight million, uh, William Carlson at the eleven seven, and then that would be Vlasic entering the final year of his deal. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there there is a benefit, but also at the same time, a lot of the problematic contracts that they're worried about would still be there. Every single one would still be there, except for the Burnsy deal. And is he even going to play three more years after this one anyway? How you know, I don't know. I'm actually kind of leaning now after looking at that towards keeping William Eklund around yeah, okay. because just how much is that cap situation? It, it's barely going to clear itself up anyway. I think at that point you're just hoping that extra year brings in a higher salary cap. That's kind of my my thought on it, is like that extra million could go towards the Eklund deal or however much it'll go up by then. I we just don't know. It all depends on how the ESPN and TNT thing goes. But for the most part, I think yeah. it's going very very well in that regard. Man, that the. the Oh, I know. <laughs> Shit, I forgot. I had another point that I was going to make about that Sharks game. It was about their horrible fucking attendance. But I forgot how I tied into it now, so I'll just shut up. Anyway, it was terrible attendance. <laughs> Buffalo probably felt like a home game. That's all I'll say on that. It was awful. That's and to, to wrap up the show, we'll quickly talk about Wednesday as well. Uh, the Oilers beat the Preds 5-2. to two. Edmonton now 8-1 and one on the season. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl scored his 8th and ninth goals of the year. He has 20 points in 9 games. Uh, this comes from Jason Greger on Twitter. Apparently the last two players to have 20 points in 9 games uh, were Mario Lemieux and Yaramir Yager, both in 1996. Jesus. Again, he is on the same team as Connor McDavid. <laughs> If you don't win, Edmonton, for the love of God. I'm not telling Oilers fans anything they don't already know. Uh, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson each scored their fourth goals. And the Preds announced that, as expected, Pecorine will be the first player in team history to have his jersey retired. And, yeah, I mean, when you think of the Nashville Predators, I mean, you might think of, like, oh, like Greg Johnson as an early captain or David Legwand or Shea Weber. Pecorine is is likely the first name that you think of yeah. when you think of the Nashville Predators. Like he is that organization at this stage. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I, I 
I would say like, oh, they haven't retired it sooner, but he just retired. So yeah, he literally just yeah. retired. Like they are, they are going. I don't know what date they announced, but they're almost going full uh, Lundquist and just like we're retiring this shit as soon as we possibly can, <laughs> and it's the right thing to do. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And Nashville, the Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> oh shit, let's go ahead. No, it's fine. It's just uh, this will tie into the Carolina Hurricanes too and their little beef. Now Nashville never misses an opportunity to raise a banner, so. Oh, another thing, too. Uh, February 24th, 2022 is the date they're going to retire the number. On my birthday. I'm going to Nashville. I'm go. not, but that's okay. My birthday. Um, I, I, will, I might be. I'm going to be in Arizona or Seattle. Hell I don't yeah. know yet. I'll be there, too. But I'm going to be in one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes moved to 9-0 and on the season as they beat the Blackhawks 4-3. to uh, Seth Jarvis got his first ever goal. Alex Debrinkit, though, I mean, we talked about Patrick Kane. He scored his fifth of the year in this game, but Debrinkit scored his fifth and sixth. Uh, but obviously the story is the Hurricanes. Uh, they are 9-0 and for the first time in team history. And the tweet I saw is that they are one win away from tying the NHL record for most wins in a row to start the season, along with the 93-94 Toronto Maple Leafs and the 06-07 Buffalo Sabres. So... Yeah, nobody expected Carolina to be this good. I mean, so I thought they might take a little bit of a step back. I had some, uh, I had some concerns, but goddamn, they have, uh, they've been incredible they, to start this season. They're so filled. Talk about it, dude. Talk about a team though that has pressure to do well in the playoffs, right? Like Carolina, yeah. you know, they made it to the conference final, but it's like you gotta, you gotta take that next step forward and not waste this this window here. They are in a window at this stage. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets beat the Avs 5-4 in OT. Notable, uh, Jake Bean and Cole Stillinger each scored their second and third goals of the year. Bean's uh, OT winner, uh, you know, his third of the year. So, I mean, hey, I got, Carolina got rid of Jake Bean. Columbus looks to be loving him. Uh, Boone Jenner goals uh, update because what the hell? Uh, six goals on the year for Boone Jenner. Uh, in that game as well, Bowen Byram scored his second and third, so a lot of young guys getting goals. JT Comfer has five. Shout out to JT Comfer for scoring five goals. Uh, and then the final game that happened, uh, the Kings beat the Blues 3-2 in a shootout, only the Blues' uh, second loss of the year. So it's interesting that like literally every single game you can look into it and just be like, oh, yeah, shit, no, this guy has, why the hell does this guy have seven goals yeah. already? This doesn't make sense. It's strange, either someone but... jumping on the scene or like a comeback story. It's so cool. Like this is yeah. such a cool year, and I'm loving all the narratives that are starting to pop up from it. And, yeah, I mean, Boone Jenner was six. Like straight up, I feel like we're four, five years ago when, you know, it was kind of, oh, man, that's just insane. So with that, everybody, we will let you go. This is one of our longest shows in a while, but I had a feeling it was going to turn into that. And see, imagine if we had viewer questions, it'd be over two hours. But hey, uh, it is what it is. We do thank you very much for listening, especially if you made it to this portion of the show. We will be back next Monday talking everything that happens this weekend. And boys, I mean, Jesus, I don't know if we'll ever get the viewer questions uh, again if we keep having so much to talk about on these shows, but it was a good one. Endo, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me, uh, Twitch. Uh, I never, I can always, I always mess up the spot. Um, you want to buy my merch? <laughs> I got merch. I got really outdated merch. Uh, the best merch, the greatest merch. Uh, endomills.ca, uh, Twitter, endomills, everything endomills, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook. Facebook. I keep saying Facebook. I don't even use Facebook. YouTube. Yeah, whatever. Just search up Endo Mills and you'll find me. You need to find me. That's me. Sin. 
I'm just going to point out that Endo Mills plugs are the worst thing I've ever heard. God yeah, damn, they're man. the worst. You need to advertise. Like, <laughs> don't, I'm here. You'll find me. Self-average. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, yeah, though. watch my content. Like, mm, no. I'm just oh, like, I will. Hey, oh, bitches, check out my YouTube, Sin for the Wind Productions. You want to see me live stream to about 10 people? Max, look at me <laughs> up on Twitch. Um, check out my Twitter, linked below on the screen. If you can't see it on screen, Sin FTW Parade. Watch me argue with people on Twitter and get blocked. Uh, no, just kidding. Sometimes I have good takes. Sometimes <laughs> I spread memes. Sometimes I make jokes. And hey, if we uh, want to get to viewer questions, hockey, stop fucking up, okay? Let's stop with the bullshit. <laughs> yeah, fix hockey culture, then we can uh, do some questions. Oh, God. Well, we'll end this show as Patrice Bergeron just scored for the Bruins. They're up one nothing on Detroit. You can find me everywhere at Tukey24. Thank you again for listening to the show. Manscaped, we love you. Thanks for sticking with us. Code Toogie, twenty percent off. Free worldwide shipping. You know the deal. We will see you all next week. Have a lovely weekend. It's November. And um, yeah, a personal personal challenge to everybody out there. Um, see how long you can sit and wait. Can you take the architect challenge? And wait longer than Architect in a soft lock game of NHL 22. Let oh, me know your personal that. best timing. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.